0: Good evening. I'd like to welcome everyone to West Irwin Church of Christ to our Wednesday night series. We only have a few weeks left and it's been a great, great summer. Remember, next Wednesday night we'll be having our, basically our back-to-school prayer night. It will be in the Family Life Center starting at 6.30. And we will have uh, ice cream sundaes and snow cones. Uh, following our uh, devotional period time together. If you're live streaming with us this evening, we're happy to have you as a part of our service this evening. And as far as the folks that are meeting in this auditorium, our speaker tonight doesn't really need much of an invitation. I think we all know him quite well. But what I can say about Donnie Carnathan is that he is my brother and that he is a really great Friend. He and I have, we've, we've just, we love each other. We truly do. And uh, the time that we spend together and the work that we do together has, has just been a great, great blessing. So we're glad you're here tonight. And uh, I know we're going to enjoy what Donnie has to share with us. Brother Michael Hurley is going to lead us in a couple of songs following an opening prayer. If you would, bow with me. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this day and especially for this evening. Another opportunity, Father, that we have been given to gather together as uh, the church, the body of Christ, to hear another lesson from your word, Father, on uh, building our faith, strengthening our faith, putting our faith on the line. And we've been challenged this summer by all of our speakers to enhance our faith, and to allow our faith to grow. To not be ashamed of the gospel, as Paul says, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation, and we know that, and we're grateful for that avenue that we have to have everlasting life with you. Watch over us, Father, keep us in your care. Forgive us when we fail you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Most of you are aware, uh, Revelation 14 13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they shall rest from their labors. Won't it be wonderful there?
1: When with the Savior we enter the glory, that won't it be wonderful Well, good evening. Michael scared me when he started quoting that scripture, Blessed Are the Dead. Because I thought he says, Blessed are the dead of those who have to hear the same speaker twice in one week. <laughs> so Keith gropped about that to me. He says, Donnie, this is the second time I've had to hear you. And I says, Keith, there's people worse off than you. Because some people, this is the third time they've heard me <laughs> this week. Hey, I love y'all. Even though I had been picked on pretty good, Francis even picked on me today. Now, I'll tell you, that was a shocker. I didn't take that well, and she just cackled about it. Don't tell her I said that. You can open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 8. I think it's really great that this could be, this could be the last time I ever speak to you from the pulpit. I don't know what the future holds. I'm hoping I can help in some way down the road, but this could be the last time. What's so ironic about it is that this is probably my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's hard to say something is your favorite story in Scripture. This is one of my favorite. This is a story of a, a broken woman. I mean, this woman is in bad shape. And she had come to the conclusion that no man was going to be able to fix her. She was alone, and her only fix was this man called Jesus. Jesus became her Lord and her Savior. Now, I could stop right there, and that would be saying a lot, wouldn't it? But I tell you, there's something that amazes me about that statement is that is the same Lord and Savior that we have today. Now, that's pretty amazing to me. That is pretty amazing. And I think sometimes, I know I do, I tend to take that for granted sometimes, to know that our God spans from the very beginning all the way to what? The end of time. God is there. God is there and working in our lives just like he worked in this woman. Now I looked all over. Danny Snell used to get on to me. He, he accused me of using flannel graphs on our, my slides. <laughs> that's an artist depiction. But that's how I see this woman. Scripture doesn't tell me that, but I just see that. That's just how I see it, with her trying to get to Jesus. That it was crowded, it was packed, and we're going we're gonna to read this in a minute. But I, in my mind, I think she might have been crawling, trying to get through all those people. And all she wanted to do was what? Touch the hem. Because she had heard about Jesus... And all she wanted to do was just a little touch. not many translations even use the word him but that's what I grew up with. <laughs> I thought that was all over in the Bible but it's not some a lot of them say garment and you know fringe and some even say tassels and but it's it, it's the outer edges of his garment and that woman in my mind when When we came up with this, I think Donnie Cook, I think Donnie Cook actually gave us the title for our sermon, I mean, our our summer series. I think it was Donnie. You remember that, Davey? We were kind of going, I can't remember anyway. Davey took the first date he could, but I was the first one to turn in my topic. Because to me, I think this is a, a woman of incredible faith, even though she'd only heard about Jesus. Didn't really know anything about Jesus. But she knew her life was going to be better. So tonight what we're going to do, we're going to look in Mark, and I'm going to open my Bible so I don't have to be digging for it while you're already there. Mark chapter 8, and I opened it up to Ephesians. That's not where I want to be. And I like Mark's version of this story because I think it tells all, I want to, all we need to bring out or all I want to bring out tonight. And we're going to read through this a few verses at a time and kind of uh, break it down. And I want to issue some challenges to us. I know some of y'all are fixing to go to a meeting, so I'll try to be brief. But, you know, I'm a short-timer, so I really don't care if I hold you or not. I really don't. (laughs) But I want you to get in your mind this vision of what we have to do at West Irwin. Because that is what my challenges are about. They're about growing back this church. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and it may be harsh, and I don't mean it to be harsh at all. I'm just, I'm just telling you history. I came here 10 years ago. And when I came here, I don't know, we must have had 450 in attendance probably, maybe more. It, it, it was a room full. And the first time I ever got up in front and spoke to this group, I (laughs) I was scared, you know. And I I sweated through it. I sweated preparing. I never was what I consider to be a great speaker at all. And Clinton Culpepper came up to me and shook my hand. And he said, Donnie, I enjoyed that. But he says, you know what makes a a better sermon? More study. (laughs) Think about that. <laughs> you sweat, and you just go through this, and he tells you that, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know Clinton that well, you know. But i tell you what I found out about Clinton. He said it for my own good, and that really helped me a lot. I, that story wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I even told you that. I love Clinton. Anyway, so we're going to look at this, and we're going to kind of get some challenges that we need to be thinking about and also, uh, these challenges are, are personal. Some of them are. Some of them are congregational-wide challenges. What we need to do as a church and things we need to do as a person. But first, I want to follow Bill's footsteps. Bill, I hope you're out there listening in Cyberland because Bill did something here a few weeks ago. He started off a sermon talking with, about Aretha Franklin. Do you all remember that? about respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and I, I know when you spell it out, you want to sing it, but <laughs> you're not going to hear me sing Aretha Franklin, but I want to start with Glenn Campbell, and let me tell you the story about why I've got, got Glenn Campbell in here. We have this echo dot, we can go in and we can tell that echo, that deal, we tell her, Alexis, play us some music, you know, and that's all we use it for, and it's, it's fascinating, I love it, and so we like Vince Gill, play us some Vince Gill, and Vince Gill comes on and sings, and after a while, I started hearing this song. I said, that's not Vince Gill. Why are you playing me something I didn't tell you to play, you know? And I kept going, I kept going, I kept hearing that song, and every time we would do that, this song would come on. And I finally, it just got the best of me, and I started researching. Well, come to find out, that song was called, uh, Am I All Alone? It was a song written by Roger Miller. He sang this song in 2011. He was, he was, he was already diagnosed. His, his, his people brought out that he was going to have to alter his tour because of his Alzheimer's. And uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't perform like he used to. and He just couldn't do things like that. But that album, Adios, isn't that a, a fitting name for your last album? You can't tell me that he didn't know he was dying. You know, if you've ever been a caregiver for somebody in that position suffering from that mental illness, you know it's not going to get better. You know it's not going to be a cure. And you know how frustrating it is. And, and watching my mother go through that, it just rang to me. And it makes me wonder. I said, Glenn, I wonder if you knew those words, if you applied it to the fact of your mental illness. And the song was called, Am I All Alone?, And it was about a man and a wife who had drifted apart in marriage. And his course, his first line was, am I all alone or is it only me? And I thought about, hang on. I know this is probably rude, but I can't get through without a drink. I know the worst time for somebody that is suffering from from dementia or anything like that is that period by themselves, where a diseased mind sometimes takes over and prepares them for when the demons come. And I saw it in my mom, and I bet you Glenn Campbell had to fight that too in his family. And so that song just, it struck me, and I got to thinking, well, you know what? That sounds like a problem within the church today, that power that Satan uses when we are alone. Does that make sense? When a lion, a roaring lion, who does that describe in Scripture? Satan, isn't it? That roaring lion prowling around looking for those who are alone, looking for the weak, looking for the slow. (laughs) If you're slow, you better learn how to run. If you're a little gazelle or whatever lions like to eat. And that's what lions do. And I think about in the church, That power that Satan holds over us while we're alone. Now, I also got to thinking another song back in my day growing up. Who remembers Three Dog Night? You know? Wanda, don't laugh. There's a point in this. (laughs) This could be the first time I've used Three Dog Night in a a lesson. (laughs) It really is. I loved them because of the way they sang. They were excellent singers. But they had a song called One. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. And I thought those words, it just made me, it just sank into me. And I told myself, you know what? This, this aloneness, now I'm not saying loneliness. I'm saying aloneness that sometimes people experience in the church is worse than loneliness. Because John the Baptist, he had a bad case of the aloneness. Sent a message to Jesus, Are you the one? All that, his life of what he did, the preaching he did, the baptism he did, and he came up at that point in time and had doubts about Jesus. I think about uh, the guy in the fish, Jonah. He thought he was alone. Elijah, right after Mount Carmel, uh, the greatest spiritual high I can think of in the Bible. And right afterwards, he was all alone. Nobody but me, God. Poor, poor me. So aloneness puts us vulnerable to Satan. And it's not just about numbers. We can surround people, but if they feel like they are alone in the church, we've got problems, right? And that's, kind of the, that's the first challenge for us today. So open your Bibles, and let's look what obstacles this woman faced. We're going to be starting in Mark chapter 5, verses 20, I mean, Mark chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. What? What am I saying? Oh, Mark, I'll be okay. All I need is a retirement, and I'll be okay. Mark 5. And he looked up and said, I see, am I in the right? I'm on 8. That's why it's wrong. Let's try this. Okay. It'll be okay. and I'm going to start in verse 24. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And you know, you know it was a huge crowd. There was times Jesus couldn't even get time to eat. He was surrounded by people so much. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for how many years? Twelve years. Can you imagine? This woman, besides being a woman in the Jewish society and the limitations that that put on her, this woman was unclean, which meant what was her worship life like? No temple. No temple. Anything she touched was deemed unclean. Anything she sat on, anything she laid on, it was a very difficult life for her. Had been going on for 12 years. She was ignored. I don't think anybody tried to help her this day try to get to Jesus. I wouldn't be surprised if people stepped on her, pushed her out of the way. I just, I, I, that's just the. Just what I see in my mind when I look at this story, I could be wrong. If I am, I apologize. And she was not even comfortable to ask. And so what are our challenges today? When we look at this woman, we have some challenges today. Number one, we need to stop the aloneness. We need to identify those who are struggling with that and we need to stop it. It takes work, it takes sacrifice, it takes effort, it takes compassion, it takes courage, it takes want to, all that to get hold of people and make them feel welcome to a family. Our church is a family. We see cases in, in Scripture where we are called the household of God. Uh, in Hebrews, uh, the writer was talking about Jesus, called Jesus his son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast, our confidence and rejoicing of our hope firm to the end. So we're called that, that household of Christ. I'm telling you, we are not meant to make this walk by ourselves. We need each other and we need to be there when people need us. I can look over here, and just in the short time that I've been here, in those 10 years, I know of cases where people have been through a difficult time with health issues, still going through those times, and are probably going, I thank God for my church family and the help I have to get through this. This is, what, this is why God calls us the household of God. We... Need each other that's why I just envision the importance of small groups visitation, seeing each other, contact with each other community with each other outside these walls and it's a church wide effort it is a church wide effort, it's not the minister's job even though they're expected to help it's not the elder's job even though they're expected to do that it's our job. It's our family's job. I want to see us to the point where we put as much work and much effort into our church family as we do our own family. And I think that's the thing to kind of look at when we talk about this, that feeling of community community, and, uh, and making it grow. It's like, it's like somebody can look at you and say, you know what, I know you love me, I know you are as interested in my weaknesses as you are my strengths. And that's a good way to look at it. Whatever your problem is, we're there for you. That would be a great, great feeling to have. Let's go back. Let's see what she tried to do. Chapter 5, verse 26. She had suffered much under many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was no better but rather, she grew worse. All her money gone. No improvement, but got worse. But she was determined, she was determined to get better. And sometimes the, the path to restoration takes the greatest pain. I want to read something to you, from you right quick. I'm going to read from the book of Philippians in chapter 3. Verses 12 through 15a. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. What a beautiful thought. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what? what lies ahead. And I can just vision that woman straining forward when Jesus walked past whether she was on her knees or standing up reaching out and trying to get through all those bodies and just reaching, just reaching and said, if I could just, if I could just get a hold of that garment. That's all she was after. But look at that determination that it took to do that. Back to Challenges now. The challenge of where to put your faith and where to trust. I'll tell you, you know, we got to learn to live by the Spirit and don't rely on our own, own strength because we can't do it. We cannot do it. How can you live in this kind of world on your own strength? We need to live with the Spirit of God. We need to look around, see where God is working in people's life. We need to be courageous. We need to be patient. Use that time of waiting to strengthen ourselves and, and rally our community to get better. We need to keep praying. We can't worry. We've got to stay focused. Sometimes God is using the journey to strengthen us more than the destination is going to strengthen us. God can use us in all aspects of what we do and how we do it. And so we need to be determined. We're going to live by faith, and we're going to know who to trust in and know where to put our faith in. I I don't care how much you love any of your staff, your elders or deacons. That's not where your faith needs to be. It needs to be in Jesus Christ. He is going to make us what we need to be. It's Him that's going to give us courage. It's His Spirit that's going to allow us to do things that we would never think impossible that we could do. But He is going to help us do that. Let's go back to Mark. Let's read what she accomplished. Mark 5, 27 through 29. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, He She said, I, if if I touch even his garment, I shall be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What's so amazing about this is the fact that she had just heard about Jesus. She didn't need any proof. She didn't need to call a meeting. She didn't need to put any kind of conditions on Jesus. She just needed that touch. She needed to come in contact with Jesus. She needed to put her faith to the test. She needed to do something that was uncomfortable to her. She needed to put her faith in something she had never seen before. Now think about that. Had never seen before. Can you imagine her anticipation as she was standing there and see this throng coming down her and thinking, how am I going to get near him? (laughs) But I need to. I have to. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. She just needed to realize that her belief system was now geared toward Jesus. Something unknown to her, and it all started with her hope. I just want to get better. I just want to get better, and nobody here in my circle is going to help me get better. What a beautiful, beautiful deal of faith. So, what does that do for our challenges? I'm going to tell you, you've got to remember that the best is yet to come. How many of you enjoy your life right now? How many of you love your grandkids? This is kind of a grandparent audience here. They can relate to that. Great grandkids. Great grandkids. They are great. Noisier, but they're great. <laughs> and we're going to have beautiful, beautiful memories of our life. But I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. There's a song, and I'm not going to sing it. Think about this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We sang that to one of our senior ladies one time. at Channel, This was a long time ago. We sang that song, and the kids loved singing, and they were just getting at it. And, getting, and she goes, I like that song, but it's a little frisky for me. <laughs> so we had to tone down and went to Amazing Grace. <laughs> she, she liked that. But our reward is not here on this earth. Our reward is with Him. Patience, patience, patience. Don't stress out what you can't control. But do your best to control what you can. Be determined. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting. He is cheering you on. He is helping any way He can for you to get there. And lastly, living by faith can make you uncomfortable. If we step out of our comfort zone and start living and putting our faith on the line, we are going to be uncomfortable. We're going to be like that woman trying to get through all those legs, all those stinky feet. We're going to be doing insane things we've never said before. I urge you Sunday morning to increase your prayer life in public. Pray with someone you don't know. Grab them by the hand. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will change their life. They will appreciate you so much for doing that. Let's look at what she found out, starting in verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself, that power had gone out from him immediately turned around in the crowd and says, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the, knowing, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, "Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease." I tell you, sometimes the ones closest to Jesus get in the way. I'm thinking about those disciples of Jesus. And, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? It's just nothing. It's keep going. We gotta, we gotta get on down the road. (laughs) We gotta go. We gotta go, trying to get Jesus. You know, he was probably hard to hurry. You know, the way he loved people and, and took time out for people. But sometimes we can get in the way of people trying to come, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Jesus notices and rewards acts of faith. He's pleased when we seek Him, and seeking Jesus is not easy because the world is against us, and Satan throws all kinds of obstacles in our way to keep us from doing that. He is against us. But then I think about how we can do great things. I don't trust that. Clock. I'm doing fine. We can do great things when we live by God's power. Keep this marked. I want to go to Hebrews right quick. Very sobering passage. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword... ...were made strong, out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, lease so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in, sheep's, in, skins, of, in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended by their, for their faith, did not receive what was promised. They Never saw it here on this earth. I go back to my song. This world is not my what? And I'm just a what? Passing through. And all those, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for us something better for us man we can do great things when we live by God's power I pray that we never have to fight the dangers of the sword or prison or torture but I want you to think back how many of you have been raised in the church have been going to church somewhere all your life how many just about all of y'all do you think we're worse off in the world today than we were then? You know, if I think about where it feels like we're headed, it's, it's, it's kind of scary, isn't it? And yet, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are the ones that hold the mystery and the beauty and the love of the gospel. Who's going to do it if we don't? Who is going to do it if we don't? I think about this woman. She has touched people for generations. And here we are thousands of years later, and we are still studying her and trying to follow her example. So what's our challenges about putting our faith on the line? Number one, we're going to have to live like Abraham not knowing where God will take you. <laughs> we don't know. Never thought I would live in East Texas. Here I are. I are one. <laughs> we can't be an obstacle to those seeking Christ. When I say obstacle, we can't have people coming in and seeing bad behavior from us. We can't see us holding grudges against people. They can't see us looking like the world, speaking like the world, talking like the world, acting like the world, thinking like the world. They can't see us fighting over our pew. (laughs) They can't see us doing things like that. They can't see us not enjoying our worship together. They can't see us not enjoying the company and the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't put obstacles up. We need to learn how to put ourselves in the picture when we need to be in the picture of a life. But we also need to learn how to take ourselves out. There's sometimes we need to step back and let them go and grow. We need to learn how to do that. We can't smother and we can't suffocate. We can't, we can't just back away and ignore. We've got to quit putting a time frame on God. God's going to work when God's going to work. I said Sunday morning, God has seen everything in this world, hasn't he? He has seen all kinds of evil that we can't even imagine getting sawn in half. We just read that. I don't want to can't imagine that. but That was a way of life for some of those uh, early Christians. we got to be patient. and We've got to keep praying and be faithful and do what he asks us to do. We've got to have the determination to finish what we started. And don't let anyone stop you or let anyone get in your way. Don't let the world influence you in, in selling your faith short. Stay with it and be determined. We can't put a limit on how much Jesus can heal. Hey, he won't do that. He can't do that. He can't do that for me. Well, yes, he can. You know, he can do that. I can't, I can't be a minister. I, I just can't. I mean, I'm too old in life to be, do something like that. Well, yes, he can. If you're willing to open yourself up. It may not be a great one, but I'm gonna tell you you can help. You can make a difference in the kingdom. He will he will empower you to do that. Lastly, you know, we gotta to learn to rely on the Spirit. We can't do it on our own. We have to be a faithful, Spirit-controlled people. To rely on the Spirit, especially in this world. <laughs> It's so difficult. We can't give up. We can't stick our heads under in the sand and ignore it. We got to stand up. We got to receive the Spirit from Christ. Just had uh, Tanner just did it, didn't he? <laughs> you know, that's the key. And to do what God wants us to do. And can you tell others about the joy of your life? That's some challenges that we are faced with today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love and your care. We thank you for this church and all the years here in Tyler, the number of people they have helped, the number of people that they have led to Christ, the number of people that they have made a difference in life. And, Father, we ask you tonight, we pray for courage, we pray for more faith, we pray for boldness, And we pray for more of your spirit. We pray to be a people that are led by the spirit, a people that are compelled by the love we have for you, and to be a people that are overwhelmed with joy for what you do. You're a great God. We love you so much. Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: I'll dismiss you as soon as I read the words to this song. Uh, I thought about it throughout what Donnie had to share with us this evening, and this is us. This is West Irwin Church of Christ, and this is a challenge that Donnie has put before us. We need to be a people that people can touch, that people can touch. And I will tell you, uh, if Donnie has touched your life, you're a better person. That I can tell you. If Susie Carnathan has touched your life, you're a better person. And so we're blessed to have him a part of this body. We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no end, for Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home. When a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. When he's passed through the valley, we all feel relief. Together in sunshine, together in rain, together in victory through his precious name. And though some go before us, we'll all meet again, just inside the city as we enter in. There will be no more parting with Jesus we'll be, together forever, God's family. Sometimes we laugh together, and sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven. God's family. As we move forward, let's remember that's who we are. We are a family, and who do you love more? family. I love you and I appreciate more than you know all of the love that you've showered on me. Donnie talked about those who who have been blessed by the prayers of this family and I don't know of anyone who's been blessed any more than me by your prayers and I thank you for it. We're dismissed.